Well, um, there, there is uh, a lot of um, things that creates joy in this time of year. And uh, we, we've got some all around us. I mean, we look and there's decorations. Um, did you see that, that whopping big Christmas tree? And the, not in here. I mean, these are big too. But the one in the fellowship, it might be, you know, we have the Bethlehem stuff. And um, I just want to thank, uh, it's, it's Housel's uh, Christmas tree farm for that. And, uh, and also for all the people that brought up all of the great decorations worked so hard to make this a, a joyous looking place. So I just want to thank them for that. You can join me if you want. So thank you so much. Yeah. The, the tree is awesome. All the hard work is awesome. They're all a part of, of celebrating Christmas and the joy that it brings. But as we know, and has already been mentioned, they're not um, what brings the, the real joy. They're not the reason for our joy. They're a part of it. And part of that releasing of that joy. And this series is about um, Ditch being the Grinch. And if you have watched that, um, you know that uh, Christmas morning the Grinch finds out that um, decorations and stuff like that, all the things that he stole, don't make Christmas. And and I still say that they um, stole the theme of the Grinch from Scripture. Because we know that the real joy comes from what... God brought into the world Jesus and that joy that we have in our heart. And that's where our joy flows out of and from. And it is what the angels proclaimed. And I want to read the story for you again in the Christmas story. Luke 2 verses 8 to 14. And as I do and as we continue to worship, I hope that your hearts just open up a little wider, no matter how wide they are right now, to receive the joy of Jesus. Listen to these words of truth. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is the word and truth of God. Might it be written in your hearts and lived in your lives forever. There it is. Verse 10. Good news. Great joy. That will be for all the people. I want you to think about that. Let that soak in a minute this morning. Good news. Great joy for all the people, for everyone. Is that not an incredible promise? Is that not a majestic promise? Have you thought about, and so we, I mean, we read the Christmas story, it's familiar with us, and so sometimes we skim right over things. The angel says that in announcing the birth of the Savior, and I wonder sometimes if even in the midst of Christmas or any other time, we really resonate, we really unpack that promise, because it is an incredible promise, is it not? Good news, great joy for everyone. So all of these people All of those people, all of those people, all the people that are wherever they're at in the whole world, good news, great joy for them, you, me. 
Have you unpacked that? Let that soak up? Maybe it'll help to think about maybe the, the greatest promise that you've ever had made to you, but by a person, by a human being. And maybe the greatest promise that you've ever made. And you think about how awesome that was. Can, have you, can you think about that, the promise? You know, I'm not, I'm not a person who personally makes a whole lot of promises because I never want to break them. I take that kind of seriously. Scripture has some things to say about that. But once upon a time, I made promises to somebody, and they made promises to me, and it's worked out pretty awesome. And I think about the promises that my wife made to me. I think about what that's looked like over the time that, that, that we've been married. I feel so blessed. I mean, when I was standing up there, you know, awestruck in love and all that other business, and now I'm more so. But in that moment, I didn't know really what those words would mean when she said those things to me and the keeping of that promise. But I want to tell you, it's been incredible. Better than I could have imagined it. And then I think about the promise I made to her. I worked hard at keeping it. Probably not as well as she has, but I've done my best. And it's been the promise that I've kept and that I've worked the most at my whole life, save the things of God. And so I think about that, and I think about how awesome that is, and what that means in my life. And then, and then, I think about this promise, good news, great joy for all people. And I think about that as a promise that the angels made and how that's impacted my life. And see, even the things that I just talked about in terms of of who I've been able to be, and and despite all my shortcomings, anything good that I've ever been able to do, any promise I've ever been able to keep, simply because of God helping me and being a part of my life. Helping me deliver, helping me be. I I claim no good things apart from His grace and his, His presence. The good news of great joy and how that's impacted just every single step, every single day. Including what it means to be a husband and a father. And that God, simply because of that promise and the presence of Jesus, has has impacted that, has made that come alive in my heart and in my life. And I think about what that means in a very direct and personal way, this good news of great joy for everyone and the majestic promise that's there. What that means, what that looks like. And I think about what that means in terms of him saying he's going to be my God. That's that's a promise. And I'll be your God forever. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He makes that promise in Scripture. Now think about that in terms of the joy that that would create in your heart. If you knew that, if you claimed it, if you lived it. You do, right? I hope. What joy does that bring? Knowing that because people will disappoint, discourage, people will abandon, people will leave, they'll come in and out of your life, but not God. Once you open up your heart to receive Him, it's a forever thing, a forever relationship. Isn't it not awesome? Doesn't that bring you joy? Okay, we got to work some other angle, I see, but... (laughs) What about the reality? I know you're all deep in thought, right? What about the reality of this? That he promises, we're going to get to the Savior part in just a second, but what about the Lordship issue? He's Christ the Lord. The angel said that, right? What does that mean? What does the word Lord and 
leader in life. That's another way to look at it. Somebody in terms of who you entrust your life to and that you surrender to, you let him be Lord of your life, that he is going to lead you through life. You know what joy that brings to me? It brings me joy because I know that somebody is in control of my life and, and not myself. That's really awesome. But then this person who's leading me in life is not flying by the seat of their pants. But the person who's leading me in life knows my every moment yet to be lived. And not only that, has, has incredible plans all the way through. And it's been revealed that way. This is not some helter skelter, well, who is that person going to be or what am I having? No! God has great plans for you to discover who you are and, and who He wants you to be. That's your Lord. That's the promise. Great news of great, uh, good news of great joy for all people because He is Lord. And He will lead you and He will guide you through all of the rough spots, the curves, the dips, the highs, the valleys. All of it. And again, this is not somebody who not only does he not only know all of the plans, but it's somebody who knows what's best for me. Think about that. We have a lot of people in the world who, who want to voice their opinion and who claim to be experts, political activists, people who are currently hailed as wise in the world. More on that in a little bit. But I am so glad that God, whose truth is timeless, who knows me better than I know myself, is the one who's leading the way in my life. Does that bring great joy for you? I mean, it has in my life and in my experience. And we haven't even gotten to the grace part yet. I'm going to get there because I know i got just a little bit of time. <laughs> Amazing grace, Savior, Redeemer. That out of all of the things that I've ever done that have been hurtful or caused pain, out of all of the times I've fallen flat on my face and sinned, that I have a God who loves me unconditionally in my heart and in my life and will forgive me forever and ever and ever. Now when I pull out of this, uh, I'm not going to pull out of this parking lot because I just walk across the street, but... When I get in my car and I cut somebody off, they can't even forgive me for that. But I have a God who forgives me for everything. Good news, great joy for all the people. Is it not amazing? I mean, you unpack that promise and what it really means. One sentence so deep, so profound, so full. Do you know the joy? Do you know the joy of Jesus and all of the fullness of what He hopes for you to understand and grasp about what that means? It, it is profound. There was somebody who, who knew God in Scripture, many, but there's one guy called Habakkuk. Have you ever heard of him? Yeah, I'm not making that name up. You can look. It's right there between Nahum and Zephaniah, by the way. Habakkuk. And Habakkuk was a prophet. And Habakkuk um, lived, uh, in, in, he, he lived um, before, 
the book was written, of course, but 600 to 590 B.C. is when the book of Habakkuk was written. And Habakkuk um, was a prophet, and he was having dialogue with God. And I encourage you to read Habakkuk, by the way. It's really an awesome little book, just three chapters. It won't take you that long, but there's profound truth in it. And see, Habakkuk was living in a time when there was a country called Babylon that was rising to world power. And even though it was ancient time and they couldn't get on the internet, you know, and see what was going on in the world, they, he knew what was happening. And Babylon was sweeping through country after country and taking control of the world. And, and here's what else he knew. They were ruthless. We think of the human atrocities that we've read in our books in terms of modern history and they pale in comparison to what the Babylonians did. And he knew that it would only be a matter of time. And God had spoken to him about it, that Judah would fall to Babylon. And the things that he had heard about were going to happen to him and his people. And indeed they did. Um, Judah fell to Babylon in 586. And so he, he cries out to God and he speaks. And in and, and the end, um, because he knows God, says something about joy that we'll read in just a, a, a moment. But I, I want you to think about this for just a moment. This is kind of a little side. And I talked about um, activists and, and those that are experts. You know, sometimes there are people, and I just want to toss this out here in terms of Habakkuk. And some of you are like, that's obscure. I don't know that book or I haven't read it. Um, and some of you think, well, it's in the dusty, old, outdated Old Testament. Um, this just shows you how relevant and true God's Word is, every ounce of it, every word. Because in, in Habakkuk, you read in chapters 1 and 2, there are really, um, there's laments, but there's questions um, that Habakkuk is asking, having dialogue with, with God about. And I'll sum it up in, in two questions that are asked all of the time today. And it has to do with this. Um, why is it that, that there's evil in the world and, and bad things happen to good people? And why is it that seemingly somebody does something that's evil and wretched and they get away with it? Have you ever heard those questions? They're being asked all of the time. And of course the connection then is if there was a God and there was a loving God that would not happen. That's the conclusion that some people reach. That these things wouldn't happen in my life, they wouldn't happen to that person I love, etc., etc., etc. And because of that then, I can conclude, because of my rational thought and the facts that exist, that there is no God. And if there is, he doesn't give a rip about me. And now you think about that in terms of joy and the promise of great joy. I would love to unpack that with you personally someday. The book of Habakkuk addresses it, talks about God's sovereignty, talks about the reality of sin in the world. God never said there wouldn't be sin. He never said there wouldn't be evil or wickedness. He's very upfront about that and says, in fact, you know, we live in a fallen world. That's why you need my son, my grace. Sovereignty in terms of um, bad things happening, good people, and things just happening because of the presence of sin in the world. Not necessarily your sin. Have you ever gotten into a car accident where you weren't at fault? Somebody did something boneheaded? We'll be honest about that. 
that happens in life. I mean, it's a reality and sin is there. And people do, evil people do evil things to good people. And that's why God says, I'll be your God. That's that great joy, good news of great joy. And as far as people being punished, um, just one verse, Exodus 34, 7. Do you know it? And by no means will I let the guilty go unpunished. You know, um, we have sayings about that. You know, what goes around comes around, those kinds of things. Um, it will catch up. If we don't see it in our lifetime as flesh and blood, um, I, would, I would hate to, um, and, and I even shudder at this. You know, what would it be like to stand before the creator of the world, the great Lord God, and you recognize in fullness who he is, and you realize that you never got forgiveness for your sins and that you were an evil and wicked person? What would that be like? See, at some point in time, but, but all that to say, um, Habakkuk knows God. And despite what he sees happening in the world, and despite what he knows is going to happen, he has joy in his heart because he knows God. Do you know Jesus? And I want to read these verses for you. This is so profound. And it so relates to, to great joy. And it's a different than, than happiness, right? Um, the definition of, of, of joy in, in the dictionary... Is, is this, um, that it is a condition of feeling um, pleasure. And I want to submit to you that God's definition of joy is way, way deeper. It is more profound, it is more full, and it is eternal and lasting. It's not a here and now or, you know, it's going to come and go. It, it's a forever thing. And, and unpack it, and, and Habakkuk knows that. And this is what he says, Habakkuk 3, verses 17 to 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, listen to this, these, these are, this is what happened. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. This is an agricultural um, um, time. This is a society that depends on those things. Though none of that is true, whoops, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God, who? My Savior. See how hope and joy and things work together? Habakkuk knew God. And because he knew God, no matter what happened, he was going to have great joy in his heart. I hope that's true for you and me. That we have the joy of Jesus. That we don't let anybody steal our joy or nothing. There's a lot of Grinches in the world. And sometimes we fall prey to being a Grinch. Time to ditch the Grinch. Be filled with the real joy of Jesus Christ. Let it fill your heart. And just flow out to everyone around you. And we're going to do that this morning, right? We're going to be praising God like crazy in just a minute. Yeah, will you, will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the joy that's ours in Jesus. Help us, O Lord, um, in moments when we feel a little grinchy or we're not really displaying that, um, to flood our hearts.
Lord, you are the reason for the season. We proclaim it. We praise you for it. And might our continued worship just be a celebration of the joy that is ours in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.